your need-to-know cultural snapshot of Wisconsin and beyond. This is What's on Tap with Sandy Max. A deep dive into all things intriguing, riveting, and entertaining. Now, here's your host, Sandy Max. Good evening. Happy Monday, February 26th. It is my pleasure to be here with you because it's going to be fun tonight. A circus and carnival theme for What's on Tap. You're going to meet one of the co-producers of the new Milwaukee PBS documentary, Remembering the Great Circus Parade, that premieres this week. And for the carnival theme... A three-time Grammy-winning singer-songwriter and really acrobatic performer who's brought her summer carnival tour to American Family Field last summer. Well, she announced she's going to be back in Milwaukee this fall. She has the song you should hear tonight to wrap up what's on tap, and I'll get you the show date and the ticket info then. But first, if you were hanging out with us on Friday, you heard about the Great Lakes Hemophilia Foundation fundraiser Milwaukee's Best Bloody, a 12-year tradition where a bunch of different restaurants get together and serve up tasty concoctions of their special Bloody Mary recipes that attendees get to sip, sample, and vote on. Also a great fundraiser for Great Lakes Hemophilia Foundation that does great work for patients and families dealing with blood diseases. So you might be wondering, all right, then who won? Because our guest in the studio for What's on Tap was... Ryan from Bass Bay Brewhouse, and they were the best overall in 2023. Did they keep their title? No, they didn't. But they got another plaque. Bass Bay Brewhouse in Muskego dethroned as best for overall, but got most Milwaukee Bloody Mary. So no shame in that game. But the Hideaway Bar and Grill in Oconomowoc, right there on Okachi Lake, they are the ones who won two of the categories, best overall and most like a meal. And I did a little research. I looked it up. They had at least three meats, a pickle, a pepper, and a little uh, slab of corn on the cob as part of their garnish. So, yeah, it's pretty pretty meaty. So the hideaway got best overall and most like a meal. And they also have a most inventive category. And Red Maple had a zesty version of a Bloody Mary. That's uh, Red Maple Japanese Corner Bar in Bayview. I've driven by it a few times. It has one of those funny cats that has the waving paw painted on the side of the building. So next time you drive by, maybe say, I think I'll stop and have a Bloody Mary. Uh, If you are feeling like you missed out, and this sounds like a great idea, Great Lakes Hemophilia Foundation has another Best Bloody coming up. It's Madison's Best Bloody. That is April 7th at Garver Feed Mill. If you go to glhf.org for Great Lakes Hemophilia Foundation, glhf.org, you can make plans to head on over to Madison's Best Bloody in April. We're going to, well, I kind of have a ringmaster hat that I could put on. And clown makeup, if we really wanted to lean all the way into it. But uh, join us. You can watch on the WTMJ YouTube stream. We're going to celebrate and remember the Great Circus Parade next on What's on Tap on WTMJ. Children of all ages, welcome to Milwaukee for the greatest extravaganza of all time. You're going to see the spectacle of an all-time circus street parade. And setting the mood with the music for today's parade is Jim Roback and the Great Circus Parade Band. That is the voice of Ernest Borgnine in a clown outfit, kicking off the brand new Milwaukee PBS documentary called Remembering the Great Circus Parade, which was a huge tradition in summertime here in Milwaukee. And to share 
the behind the scenes and lots of history about this spectacle is Joe Sankey from Milwaukee PBS, a co-producer of this fine documentary and also a longtime set designer, artist yourself, I would say. Well, I would certainly hope so. Uh, <laughs> they've kept me around for long enough. Um, and it's great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. My pleasure. After hearing that Ernest Borgnine introduction, tell me why you wanted to make a documentary about the Great Circus Parade, because it hasn't happened since 2009. Well, it was uniquely Milwaukee, with the exception of a couple years when it was in Baraboo and in Chicago. And at... Its height, it was the third largest parade in America following Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and the Tournament of Roses Parade in California, just in terms of its size, the number of units in it, and how many people came to watch it. Over 800,000 people would line the streets of Milwaukee. It was shown to over 800,000 people. And it was shown on PBS nationally. It went over the air to over 80 countries. And it was also shown on the armed services uh, radio and television network so that our men and women overseas who might have been feeling a little bit homesick can watch a piece of Americana go by. Was the Great Circus Parade always on July 4th? No. Um, it, so it's interesting it, that it, it, it had it, it it would change, but it was always around like the second Sunday in July to my to my mind. It always seemed to uh, coincide with Bastille days. You know, mm-hmm. you know, watch the parade, go have baguettes. You know, <laughs> well, Joe, I was able to watch the a, a preview screening last night in my home, and it is a jam packed hour of incredible archive footage you see the the change in the city skyline over the years since the 60s and you're right you see all these people together but what a mass spectacle of all these creative wagons every single one is different the people involved all dressed in the to the nines in costumes and music it just it really was a spectacle it was and the the thing that i noticed because in preparing for this show, I watched 16 different parades over the years. And, you know, watching them That's in detail. That's a lot of preparation. Yeah, a lot, <laughs> watching them in detail, taking, you know, multitude notes. What, what wagon is this? What conversation are we having? Do we have an interesting story here? And the parade was never the same from one year to the next. They managed to always keep it fresh. There would be new wagons added or a band that we hadn't seen before or new costumes. It was never the same old, same old. The the, the folks at Circus World Museum knew that they had Wisconsin's national treasure or as, the, or as Tova Borgnine once said, America's national treasure. And they were determined to keep it at the top of its game. And the circus, the entertainment business of the circus, has meant a lot to the state of Wisconsin. The Ringling Brothers, actually... There there, there were more than just the Ringling Brothers. Ringling Brothers were the biggest ones who had their winter quarters here up until around the period of World War I when they, like a lot of other people in the frozen north, decided, hey, you know, Florida's a lot warmer. We can can move down there. Um, 
And the the Ringling Brothers, there was a lot, all these circus families knew each other. And they were all intermarried and they were friends and, and things like that. So, yes, they were competition, but they were all kind of like family. And a great majority of them were in Baraboo. Um, and that it, that's how the Circus World Museum is there. It's the old winter quarters, the surviving buildings, which have now been, you know, multiplied and turned into a real show place. Well, and Milwaukee PBS has really been a treasure trove, an archive of footage because Milwaukee PBS just celebrated their 65th anniversary mm-hmm. last year. So what discoveries did you make in the vaults? About the circus parade? Yeah. Um, I only did in my career probably six, seven parades. I wasn't here. I'm not a native Milwaukee, and I wasn't here to watch the parades in the 70s and the 80s. That's okay. 800,000 people were. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But what I just noticed were the stories. Um, the stories of the people who were in the parade. We meet, we meet a costume designer who earlier in her life, she was a circus aerialist, Mamie Ward. She was a trapeze artist and she became a set, uh, not a set designer, a costume designer because she under understood the needs of the performers. Um, yeah, you have to have a great fitting garment. <laughs> yes, you do. To be an active performer in the circus. There aren't many people who sit around at the circus. <laughs> and, and there were stories about that and the stories and what I call my people, the craftsmen who restored the wagons, the wood carvers, the painters, the people who would get these, they were decrepit wrecks. And many times they had been used as chicken coops. They had been rotting out in fields for years, but Chappie Fox, you know, had this kind of like network that he would find these things and bring them to Baraboo. And that's one of the old Milwaukee PBS shows was called I Remember that Jim Peck used to host. And Jim Peck used to also be one of the parade announcers. And this is a moment of Ben Barkin chatting with Jim Peck about creating and reviving the Great Circus Parade. Well, this character Chappie Fox, who's truly my inspiration, he came to me in 1962 he was the director of the museum in Baraboo mm-hmm. because the five Ringling Brothers were raised there. And he said, Ben, if we do a parade the way they did it at the turn of the century all the way through 1930, he said, we draw thousands and thousands of people to Baraboo. And I was intrigued. He showed me some pictures of 1905, 1910, and it really looked good to me. And I said, Chappie, I like the idea. But if it's true that you'll draw thousands and thousands of people in Baraboo, you won't have enough bathroom restrooms to accommodate the crowd. Ever the pragmatist. <laughs> you know, but I said, I like the idea. Let's go over and see Bob Eline. Bob Eline was chairman of Schlitz, and he loved animals, and he was a polo player, loved horses. And in 20 minutes, when Chappie presented that to him, Bob turned to me and said, Ben, how do you feel? I said, as long as we do it in Milwaukee, it'll be terrific. And Bob said to me, Ben, let's go for it. So what did you feel when you found that nugget of footage? This is stuff that is like finding gold nuggets, literally. <laughs> you know, the, I mean, you watch hours and hours and hours, and sometimes stuff like that just falls into your lap. And I'll admit there were times when Dale Palachek and I, who is the other producer in the program, 
we there was stuff that we we had to let it go on the cutting room floor, so to speak, because we were looking for the best of the best. And I would watch these parades, and then I would come with lists of stuff, and then Dale and I would watch the stuff, and we'd whittle it down, and we'd whittle it down, and we'd whittle it down, and more. And then Dale would take the piece and edit it. And if he could find any way to edit out extraneous seconds of a tape, we knew we could save enough time that we could get something else in. This and is, and yeah. that was trying to get the the best, the very best, and the stuff like... <laughs> Like Ben Barkin talking about, you don't have enough bathrooms in Baraboo. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's, that's just practical. such a great, you know, you know, realistic line. You know, he logistics. has this great plan, but he's like, yeah, you got a few things you got to take care of. <laughs> so well, that's aiming high. If he, I mean, if they really expected a million people, but uh, yeah, you. But I'm telling you, I watched it last night, and for an hour, it is just packed with wonderful, emotional. Footage. Some of it really touched me. This really is a time capsule of the 20th century and entertainment that that ranged from 1903 all the way to 2009. So uh, trains, wagons, clowns, horses, music. We're going to talk about all of that and more. Stay with us. Milwaukee PBS's Joe Sankey shares more behind the scenes of remembering the great circus parade. Brand new documentary next on What's on Tap. This is What's on Tap with Sandy Max. We're going to meet the man who has made all of this possible. I'd introduce to you Mr. Ben Barkin, who has worked very hard today, worked very hard for many months, worked very hard for many years to bring this wonderful circus parade to the streets of Milwaukee. Ben, congratulations. You're a wonderful man. I have to tell you what a joy it is to just see hundreds of thousands of people enjoying themselves. You know, Ernie Borgnine really described it when he said this this parade is just miles of smiles. And it's such a joy. It's not only the parade, but we have the train going from Baraboo to Madison to Janesville, then to the suburbs of Chicago, and then all the way back into Wisconsin. And to see thousands and thousands of people at the crossroads and the highways with American flags and cheering and whistling and with signs would say welcome. All I can tell you is it's a unique bit of Americana and something which gives me such added joy. This is What's on Tap, and we are taking you behind the scenes of the brand new Milwaukee PBS documentary called Remembering the Great Circus Parade. It is a one-hour special chock full of fantastic moments like that one. The voices you heard were Captain Kangaroo Bob Keeshan, who was a regular host of the Great Circus Parade in the 80s. In the 80s, he uh, did it for several years. He was a marvelous host. He loved circuses. He he could go unscripted for minutes and just talk about circuses and talk about what circuses used to mean to the people of this country before radio, before television, before Hollywood, where children who may have never seen a tiger or an elephant or a giraffe, except in a picture book, were suddenly sitting on the sidewalk and there it was passing right in front of them even if your parents couldn't afford to take you to the circus you had that free spectacle of the parade which sadly the last before this was revived in 63 the last parade that toured in american city was in 1939 wow that's quite a span there and then the other voice that you heard with bob keishan was ben barkin 
one of two people who revived the Great Circus Parade. And this is what the Great Circus, remembering the Great Circus Parade documentary goes in depth. Ben was just this dynamo of enthusiasm. He loved this like it was his child. And he he would just sit and watch this thing and you could see the glow on his face and it it and and really for people like Chappy Fox and you know the Sparrow family with the 40 horse hitch and so I mean these people put heart and soul into it and they really loved it they just did and you could hear it in Ben Barkin's voice to hear him in the previous clip that we played from I remember where he was talking about hey this is how we kind of got it all going so then to hear him on site with Bob Keeshan talking about this is the culmination of this vision that they had and bringing people together and recreating, painstakingly restoring everything from the wagons to the costumes and to the performers and 800,000 people watching. There are thousands of people participating. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, in the early days, the... Numbers of horses and the numbers of participants, you know, might have been 200 horses and a few hundred people. By the time we were into the 80s and 90s, it was like over 1,500, close to 2,000 people in the parade or on down at the circus grounds. Several hundred horses of all sizes, ranging from the magnificent Clydesdales down to these cute-as-a-button little miniature horses about the size of German shepherds, uh, <laughs> ponies, camels, elephants. I mean, we had Noah's Ark. There was <laughs> Noah's Ark out marching down the streets of Milwaukee. And even, I used to love the footage that we had of the kids just agape and staring at this stuff. Good, clean fun. The Old National Bank Talk and Text Line is open for you, 855-616-1620. We're getting some wonderful memories to share and more behind the scenes from the trains to the wagons to the clowns to the calliopes. I learned how to say it correctly. It's not calliope. No, it's a calliope. More to learn from remembering the Great Circus Parade after we check in. Now from the Breaking News Center, WTMJ's Jack Grau. What's on tap with Sandy Max is back on WTMJ. Chappie had visions that very few people I've ever had the pleasure of knowing could put together and then get other people eventually to come along and help him achieve his goal. And he spotted and knew where a lot of these former circus wagons were, which were rotting and decaying in different parts of the world. But it, And he set out to find people to help him rebuild them once he got them located and all he needed then was money to get it going. He did a tremendous amount of research and moved out across the country trying to find out, really across the, the, the world in a sense, interconnecting with circus fans of America, asking if they knew of the whereabouts of wagons that he might go and photograph and include in his book. And through that research, and he kept copious notes, his files are just enormous uh, over the years. When it came time when the real nut got cutting, which was in 1960, he knew where these were, in good or bad shape. Most of them in pretty bad shape. One of the big undertakings of the Circus World Museum has been wagon restoration. Those units who have had movie careers were in excellent shape. But then there are others that were in deplorable condition. Sometimes, Bob, the staff is able to find good blueprints and working plans to help them out, but for others, all that exists is an old picture. 
Those are just some of the voices from the new hour-long documentary on Milwaukee PBS called Remembering the Great Circus Parade. And in the WTMJ studio with me is co-producer and set designer at Milwaukee PBS, Joe Sankey. So as a set designer, Joe, what is hearing about the level of restoration and craftsmanship on those wagons? What does that mean to you? These are my people. (laughs) The carpenters, the carvers, the painters who talk about just how you take something which might arrive in pieces and you're putting it together. Sometimes you would have to redo an entire carving, sometimes just a section. What kind of paint do you choose when you're looking at an old black and white photograph? And it's like, how do you figure out what the colors are? Um, or one year they took one of the wagons that for years, all the carvings, they had painted it with gold metallic paint. Like, you know, go to the hardware store, buy gold metallic paint. Sure. And for that particular year, they redid all the carvings in 24 karat gold leaf. And it was a beautiful sunny day for the parade that year. And this thing just gleamed. I mean, it was the work. It was like the work of angels just sparkling in the sunlight. And. You know, we're kind of jaded today because we have a lot of things available us to use. And I and I think back in the late 19th century or the 20th century, people who didn't have access to mass entertainment to just see this stuff rolling by the streets of their town. It must have been magic. It must have been like you know they were under a mystic spell or something oh that's the parade itself and i'm going to tell you joe that another part of the documentary that just grabbed me was the trains oh yeah just watching the the steam engine and the the sounds that go with that and watching all the people kids and adults lining up on train platforms to wave and see just it's one thing to have the parade down wisconsin avenue and all the different wagons, but this is its own parade on the railroad tracks. Right, because this is how the circus traveled. I mean, starting in the last quarter of the 19th century, when our nation was slowly being knit together by those double rails of steel, this is the way the circus, as opposed to having to go through muddy roads and things, just loaded all on a train. And then the train is its own advertisement as it goes across the country. And... They used the trains for decades. Finally, in 1956, the last trains by the last circuses by train stopped, and then it became more of just going back to trucks and gasoline engines and things like that. Um, but the circuses also didn't tour the way they used to. Now they would go to the major cities, and it really like they weren't hitting as much as they used to. And Americans were a little bit jaded with the circus. We had Hollywood, we had television, we had radio. Um, and so the, the whole idea of the magic of the circus really kind of got tarnished a little. And so it was gone just long enough so that when we brought it back and Ben Barkin and Chappie Fox brought it back in 1963, and then we started really televising it in 64, people remembered what they had missed and older people got misty-eyed, remembering when they were kids, and a whole new generation and a generation following just became entranced with the circus parade again because it was nothing that you were going to see 
on television if you could be there live watching sure, it. Sure, sure, right there on the sidewalks. And the, uh, the WTMJ Talk and Text Line is always open, 855-616-1620-608. Texting in, Joe, the circus train would roll by my childhood home in Madison on its way from Baraboo to Milwaukee for the parade, the Calliope car, the lion cage car, the tiger's cage car, the passenger car with the performers sticking their heads out the window, smiling and waving. What a memory to have. That's Dan in Sebring, Florida. But it's just... Just that text, he paints the picture. And then 262, I saw the very first Milwaukee Circus Parade back on July 4th, 1963, when it and the fireworks on July 3rd were sponsored by Schlitz Brewery. It was a new and exciting way to celebrate Independence Day as a youth. So I knew as soon as this documentary, Remembering the Great Circus Parade, came together, because I'm hosting it, and everybody that I told, oh... I'm going to be the host immediately. You could see, oh, I remember, I remember, and I remember this part. And so it's it's been fun, and I'm thrilled that I was part of the last 2009 parade. Mm-hmm. I was part of you the... You are a woman on the street? Yes, or I, was. I was. Interviewer on the street? Roving reporter for that live PBS national broadcast. And so to experience this spectacle and the sounds and the sights and truly the throngs of people it really is special to us and i want to go to the phone just for a moment because i think we have someone on the phone mary jane and economowak were you part of the great circus parade actually yes i drove a team of four horses pulling one of the mirrored wag bandwagons and they called them bandwagons because a band would be riding on the top and playing as it rode down the streets. Um, it, what was fascinating, uh, two things that I recall quickly, is that the only way you could get up on these wagons were by ladders. So if there was some kind of an emergency, you couldn't get down until someone brought you a ladder. I mean, you could have jumped, but it would have been harmful. The other part was that in driving my horses, um, I often will talk to them. I will, I will give them sounds, step up. Um, G and Ha are right and left. Whoa. The minute the band started to play, I couldn't hear a thing. I couldn't hear the steel hooves on the pavement. <laughs> it was like, earth, I mean, like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do this? Well, the horses were very well trained, and they handled it beautifully. Yes. You think it about all of those. Experience. Oh, Mary Jane, I'm so glad you were part of it. Thank you for sharing it. I hope you watch Milwaukee PBS. It debuts on oh, Thursday. We we have it already planned to be taped. Yes, <laughs> Very we want to be good. here and have it for our kids. Thank you. Thank oh, you tonight. Thank, thank you, you for, for calling listening. By Thanks in. for calling. We have more behind the scenes. Uh, a story that you won't see on the documentary from co-producer Joe Sankey. He knows a secret about Ernest Borgnine's clothes. <laughs> That's yeah. next on WTMJ. Welcome back to What's on Tap on WTMJ. I was on Johnny Carson program one day, pushing one of my films, you know, and I uh, said, Ernie says, uh, you seem to have done everything in show business. What's left? And I said, well, I had lots of things. He said, making conversation. Oh, yeah? Like what? Pinning me down. I said, well, I've never been a clown. Boy, he says, you're going to get letters. Sure enough. Then Barkin, when we'll see you later, called me the next day, says, you want to be a clown kid? We got the greatest circus parade in the world. Well, you'll see for yourselves, it is the greatest circus parade in the world. That is the voice of Academy Award winning actor Ernest Borgnine at the Great Circus Parade as part of 
the brand new Milwaukee PBS one hour documentary called Remembering the Great Circus Parade. And co-producer Joe Sankey is here. And you even know about Ernest Borgnine's costume, a fact that just couldn't fit into the documentary. No, this is not something that will be seen in the show, but I'll tell you the story quickly. When Ernie decided he was going to be in the parade, he decided he needed a clown costume. So, as every good actor would, he went to a firm called Western Costume in Los Angeles that rents costumes to the film industry and television studios and things like that, things that might only be needed for one day or so on a short-term basis. And they found a costume that fit him, and eagle-eyed parade watchers will know that he wore the same costume every year. Now, Lovely Tova got a different costume made by the designers each year, but Ernie always had his clown costume. And years later, when Western Costume was going out of business, they called him and they said, if you want your costume, you better come in right now and get it. And before we start selling off our stock, and they just gave it to him. They gave it to him no charge because of the fact that he was now known for wearing this costume, which they never got credit for. It was never in the credits. And... He wore that costume up until his last appearance in the fray in the parade when he no longer used to walk the two and a half miles with his wife because he's like, I'm 93. You can drive. I'll, I'll drive. I'll wear a golf cart. He was cart. in a golf cart that would look like a Mercedes, though. Yes. He, and, he was living large on and, that and the 2009 golf cart was, parade. The, the, the uh, golf cart was driven by the grandson of one of the people who founded Circus World, uh, Circus World Museum. And I believe that that'd be a great pride point to drive for. And I love that Ernest Borgnine was never the official grand marshal. He was the official grand clown. Yes. And I love in this documentary that you also learn that Bob Keeshan, Captain Kangaroo, is a member of the Clown Hall of Fame. Clown Hall of Fame. Exactly. I thought I knew all there was to know about the beloved Bob Keeshan. But this really is a, a special Special documentary, and I watched it with my boyfriend, who is a lifelong Milwaukeean, and I can tell you, he's a jaded media professional sometimes, and to watch it with him and hear him go, oh, wow, oh, wow, look, there's the arena in 1964, watching the parade there, and it's also, we can't get to every single part of this, but the 40-horse hitch and the community that it takes to train those horses and that it was dentists and optometrists and veterinarians who all came together to the it farm was a community family. project yeah. it was a community project with the sparrow family to do that i mean this was not just them this was like everybody that they knew had a job to do in preparing that and it's such a pride point for the people who participated whether you were we just heard from mary jane and economic whether you were a horse driver or whether you were performing in the parade as a clown or as any level of this there's such a pride point of being part of the great circus parade yes we would see the same clowns year after year who would show up you know to walk the parade because they love just shaking hands and hugging the kids and clowning around you know <laughs> excuse excuse the pun um and that's how people were with the uh, with the parade um and you could see the people were loving it. It's, you know, this was pre-cell phone days. They weren't there sitting at their phones. They were, they were just watching the parade. And like I said, the faces I would see in the clips of just like the little kids. Oh, the, I mean, their mouths are hanging open. You could tell they're just spellbound. Yeah. Well, you and Dale Palachek have done a wonderful job co-producing this documentary. You have much to be proud of. And we can all see it premiering Thursday night on Channel 10.
at 7 p.m. Saying it slow enough so you can write it down if you need to. 7 o'clock, Channel 10, Thursday night, Leap Day, February 29th, is the premiere of Remembering the Great Circus Parade on Milwaukee PBS. Thank you very much for preserving this very unique Wisconsin history in such a wonderful way. And thank you for inviting me here tonight to talk about it. My pleasure. We're going to go to a woman who called herself uh, on tour with a summer carnival last year. She's next on What's on Tab. And now, feast your ears. This is the song you need to hear. Most blokes going to be playing at 10. These go to 11. A concert announcement today from a totally cool woman. Pink is coming back to Milwaukee, and she made history last summer. The first female artist to bring a headlining tour to a Wisconsin stadium, and she broke the record of attendance at American Family Field, performing in front of 46,644 people. You can see her at Fiserv Forum, and we were just talking about the circus. If you've never seen Pink... In concert or in her videos, she is acrobatic. She brings the entire show. So you will see her spinning and singing. Pfizer Forum, October 23rd. Tickets go on sale on Friday. Pink back in Milwaukee with her acrobatics and her voice. We're going to get the party started now with Pink. It's the song you need to hear. In Milwaukee, October 23rd, Pfizer Forum. Tickets go on sale Saturday. Thanks for joining me on What's on Tap.